When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. Will you say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort? <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? Good morning, good Andrew. morning, uh, some news from the Athletics Sham Sharani I dropped this morning that Kawhi Leonard has a torn meniscus in his right knee. And mm. you always. That's the same, and that's the same knee he tore his ACL, right? Same ACL tear knee. I said yeah. that. I said all the right words, but in the wrong order. Um, yeah, it's not good. I know a meniscus doesn't take as long to come back from, but I don't know. I mean, you never know how Kawhi Leonard and his people are going to handle any situation. Um, yeah, I'm assuming they would go the slower route because, I mean, that's always the thing with the meniscus. You can either get it removed like Dwayne Wade did or you can yeah. get the surgery, which takes a longer time to recover. I can't I'm imagine. they do that since we're in the off season. Yeah, I can't imagine Kawhi doing anything that's the short route to recovery yeah for sure man that is i mean first of all it's a huge bummer because we just saw how good he is we were reminded mm-hmm. once again on the biggest stage how just automatic Kawhi is and then he just how vanishes destructive he is then he just vanishes and then he vanishes and to you almost i almost feel like uh this is kind of what uh law marie was getting at which is that like this team and Kawhi specifically, like they tease you so much yeah. because like you get to see it for a brief flash and then it's immediately taken away from you. <laughs> I mean, I saw that quote uh, from Ty Lu that was like, you know, he said, the encouraging thing for me is with PG and Kawhi healthy, we haven't lost a series. Yeah. How many series have they been healthy for? It must be like two, right? I saw. Yeah, it is two. Yeah, it's two. And I saw that a stat that they have only played forty-one percent of the games possible with Kawhi and PG together. Yeah. So like less than half of the games that they could have played, they played. So brutal. I mean, if if you went back to that trade, and you thought about all the range of possibilities for how this could work out, mm-hmm. this has to be like in the bottom like tenth percentile. Yeah. of the way this could have gone for them. Mm-hmm. Not only, I mean, maybe you could have said, okay, maybe Kawhi's going to deal with injuries because we saw it even in the Raptors year, like they had to rest him a ton. But you're figuring, well, 
hopefully PG will will bounce back and be healthy, and you'll at least have one guy. And they and they couldn't even have that. Right. That is brutal, man. That's really brutal for the Clippers. And now they find themselves in this situation where it's like, what do they do? How do they move forward? They've got this building opening up and for the 24-25 season. So after next season, they have a this new building with all the toilets and all the clocks available to everybody. Well, hold on. they got. I haven't heard about the clocks. Tell me about the clocks. They're just going to have just an abundant abundance of clocks around so that people know what time it is and know when the game starts that's tight i didn't know that yeah i love clocks so lots of toilets i'm there steve lots of clocks lots of toilets it's it's gonna it's great it's great but how do they put together a team for that building i think is really difficult because i don't think they're gonna tank i don't think they're just gonna try to trade these guys and bottom out one what can you even get for Kawhi or Paul George at this point that's going to make it worthwhile? And then what do you do with the role <laughs> players? How do you make the team better? I'm sure that they will do something that makes the team look better on paper this summer. The people are like, oh, the Clippers are going to be bad. Look what they're going to do. You know, I picked them to go to the NBA Finals, declares everybody. And then here we are again, you know, out in five games after round one. Yeah, and uh, there's a ton of factors uh, going against them. So, like, one is that both PG and Kawhi have a player option in that going into that 24 25 season. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they both decline their player option, on the one hand, the Clippers, you know, have a bunch of might have space by that point. Um, but, like, do you resign them? And if you don't, like, you're kind of banking on that summer finding another star to bring in. Um, like, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. There's not a lot of good options. I mean, they have tradable contracts. That's for sure. sure. Like if, if they pick up the option on Eric Gordon, they'll have Eric Gordon, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Batum, all as expiring, like kind of mid-sized contracts. Yeah. Those are guys you can move all of those guys as expiring contracts because they'd be expiring and they're generally helpful. The biggest Maybe problem Mark- with the new CBA though, is that after this next summer, when the new CBA goes into effect, they won't be able to combine those players in trade. Yeah. So if anyone hasn't, if anyone has an athletic subscription, hasn't read John Hollinger's most recent article about the CBA, yeah, there's way more in that than we initially heard. That is that is detrimental to teams like the Warriors and the Clippers. Basically, like the specifically the, for the Clippers, trades, the Clippers after this summer are just screwed. <laughs> it makes it so much harder for them to conduct trades whether it's including money in trades mm-hmm. which they're not going to be able to do or combining these contracts mm-hmm. um, as far as how much you can get back in a trade is severely limited um, and that's in addition to the fact that once you pass that second apron that you don't have your uh, taxpayer mid-level exception yeah which they- you look at like this summer i mean if they want to bring westbrook back is going to I think cost they can them. Only, I think they can only pay him six million at the most to bring him back is a challenge. And I don't know if that would specifically trigger any of these things. I think they're already in whatever zone they're already in. They'd be in tax hell. Yeah, it's not good. But man, I, I don't know if there's an option, a better option than running it back. As <laughs> there's not, there's not like as frustrating as that 
would be as a Clippers fan, and I'm sure to Steve Ballmer, having watched this now for this is four seasons, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, I don't think there's a better option. Yeah, and they kind of need Russell Westbrook. <laughs> like they need him, yeah, to be on their team. I don't, I don't know how they function without him. You know, next season if you're going to miss Kawhi, or Shams just tweeted that he's weighing options of just rehabbing and just seeing how it goes. But I, I would guess, I mean, it's it's safe you mean to not say getting surgery. I guess I don't know. Oh my gosh! I mean, we all. I mean, that's going to play out. He's going to not do it, and then he'll need surgery like at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't Shams. It was Chris Haynes, who was probably dapping up Kawhi as he's tweeting. You see that? Lot? You see him dapping up LeBron the other night. <laughs> I did not. Chris Haynes cracks me up. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, I think obviously. It's going to be a tough go for the Clippers. They're going to miss Kawhi, certainly, for a portion of next season, if not the whole season. Would it surprise anybody if Kawhi just, like, ghosted the Clippers for an entire for an entire year? You know? No, of course not. Wouldn't surprise anybody. And even if he comes back, like, we – I just – you have to just question whether he can even be there for the playoffs – I mean, he really couldn't string together like six weeks of play this season. And so it's it's challenging. But for Thunder fans, like this is all like pretty good news because next year the Thunder have the Clippers unprotected pick. And they're going to put together a competitive team. So I wouldn't start to like get, you know, top seven, you know, odds in your head with this Clippers pick. But they could have a pretty meaningful draft pick for for next year from the Clippers. So going into it, you have obviously whatever the Rockets is going to be, and they we can talk in a second about them. But it it makes that pick a lot more interesting next year. So I mean, if it were if they got the the Clippers pick this year, it'd be the twentieth pick, and even if they just got like the 18th pick, something like that from the Clippers in next year's draft and they had their own pick and 18th pick. And then you hope that the, the Rockets pick conveys, maybe that's like the seventh pick or the eighth pick. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous for a team that has the same, that has the trajectory of, of the thunder. So it just, this is things got a little bit more interesting today for, for OKC and their, their draft picks. Yeah, and I mean, for L.A., I mean, I guess the one good thing is that by this summer, they will now have two more first available to trade. Yep. Because the what they owe, the obligations to OKC will end in 26, which means they should have their 20 and their 30 pick available to trade mm-hmm. if they wanted to do that. But... Uh, Again, I'm just I'm reading back over this John Hollinger article. Like for this team, you know, like we question like whether the Lakers should trade any of their picks. And they only ended up trading one for the guys that they got. And it was well worth it for them to trade that one pick. And they're proving that right yeah. now against the Grizzlies. Oh my gosh. 
But would you do it for this team? I just wouldn't trade those so, picks for this team. So all these CBA uh, rules go in th- for next year, right? Or, or I know some of them are being. I think I I, like I know gradually that's, introduced. Yeah, I think that some of those will go in place for like the following summers, like the following summers, like free agency and trade and all that. Because I was just talking about them having two picks, but. Hollinger brings up that one new penalty that generated huge criticism was the jailing for future draft picks for teams that exceed the second apron, yeah, which yeah. would be the Clippers. Those teams will not be able to trade a first-round pick seven years in the future, limiting the haul available for Durant-style blockbusters. Yep. And then he says, more importantly, perhaps, if those teams stay above the tax apron in more than one of the next four years, the pick gets pushed to the end of the first round in the year in question, regardless of where the team might finish. Yeah, that one is... That one is funny. That yeah, that, I wonder how that'll work with. I guess it obviously won't get pushed back if it conveys to another team. Yeah, you right? would guess it would not. That would be really weird if yeah. it did. But but that would be crazy if like in one of these off years, let's say they do trade some of their picks, and in one of these years like twenty seven, where they're expecting to have their pick, but then they get dinged <laughs> by this rule. And maybe that's the first year they're bad, and it goes from like a lottery pick to the thirtieth pick in the first round. That is, that's a little cruel, Andrew. That's a huge penalty for the the teams that are spending a lot of money in this league. It's it's kind of funny that they're doing all this because, you know, obviously the Clippers were a huge beneficiary, or, or sorry, the Warriors were a huge beneficiary of all this. Yeah, definitely. they were able to put put together, you know an awesome team revive everything after Kevin Durant and we're able to pay all those guys. But I'll be honest, like the last couple of years as a small, as a fan of a small market team, I haven't been particularly like thinking about that concerned about that. Mm-hmm. The fact that all these teams are paying a lot of money because OKC was the beneficiary of that as well. They were getting these huge checks cut for them at Big, the end of each season. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are teams like the Clippers proving to you that like just because you spend a lot of money doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah. Um, even even the Warriors this season have one of the you know biggest payrolls of all time, mm-hmm. and you know they they looked like garbage for most of the season. The Nets were a team that were paying a huge tax bill, and we all saw what happened there. So I don't know. Like it, some of this stuff feels a little excessive. Mm-hmm. It and does. I just is it really just because of the Warriors? Like we're really worried about the Warriors? I guess. I'm actually kind of shocked the league would even do anything because of the Warriors and not like to they've generally just kind of supported them. Yeah. Through the year. So it's it's interesting. It will be good for the Thunder down the road because I don't the Thunder are never gonna be crazy spenders like that. I think they'll pay the tax, but they're not gonna go that deep into the tax. Like they don't, they don't have deep pockets like that, uh, in order to to pay the tax like that. And so, Impressi even mentioned in his press conference that, you know, having picks and the the ability to have young players on rookie scale deals is going to be pretty important for them, you know, down the road. Yeah. And so, you know, he's already kind of preparing us for the fact that they are going to need like cheaper players somehow and the draft is like the easiest way to do that so it's just uh yeah the clippers are in big trouble this this team is in big big trouble and 
who knows? They could run it back next year. Things look great. Kawhi looks great. PG looks great. Then they go on to the Western Conference Finals or something. You know, it's certainly not out of the possibility, but the range of possibilities now is just all over the map. It's it's all over the map. Uh, yeah, I still don't. I mean, you say it's like a there. It's a it's almost like a crisis for them. Um, but I just still feel like they're going to have such a baseline of like mediocrity that the the downside is still going to be kind of limited. I, I I mean, it still feels that way to me. I, I still can't imagine this team like completely bottoming out while trying, just because they have so many. They're they're not going to completely bottom out. We 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 saw you know with them getting the Thunder getting the twelfth pick, kind of what felt like the basement of this team. Yeah, you know. Is like probably like ten to fourteen is probably like the basement for this team yeah. as far as like what the pick could be. But again, still, if things just go completely wrong, it'd be pretty awesome to have the tenth through fourteenth pick that is not your own in next year's draft. Um, I wonder if we get any reporting because remember uh, it was either last year or the summer before there was reporting about like how pissed Steve Ballmer was mm-hmm. and like people in the Clippers had to calm him down basically because he just wanted to blow everything up. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was not this year. That was not after four years of watching this. Yeah. And even watching that game last night, I mean, dude is still hyped. They're down three, one. And as they're making that run at the end, he's, he's excited as ever. Yeah. When you put that much energy into something and this happens over and over again, I mean, forget about paying for it. Just like as a fan, which he clearly is, that would be uh, that would be pretty uh, devastating, exhausting. It's Groundhog Day. In it's LA. Groundhog Day. It's not good. But the fact that they have traded all their picks until 2026 really limits what, like the range of options for you. you yeah, know? yeah. I'd be interested to see what PG and or Kawhi would get on the you know on the trade market yeah i have no sense of that what what teams would be willing to give up it would need to be kind of a desperate team well it would it would probably look just like the trade that got Kawhi to the raptors you know where it was like kind of a guy that had kind of worn out as well not worn out as welcome but just like okay we we know what this demar Derozan spurs team is like can we please move on you know, right? Or I mean, Demar Derozan uh, Raptors team. It's like, can we just like move on from this? Like, because the ceiling is, it's well defined, and they were just like, okay, let's just try Kawhi. And you know what? What teams are like that where they're just kind of stale, and they'd be willing to I take mean, take a risk on PG or Kawhi? The obvious one would be Portland. Like, what if they offered Anthony Simons two picks? Like, is that enough to get in the range of like a Paul George? I don't, I mean, it shouldn't be. Paul George is great. But if, if in this know. scenario we're, we're admitting that his value probably has to be a little bit depressed, also, you'd probably have to throw in more because he's, <laughs> they're making so much money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that might be a worthy gamble for a team yeah. like Portland if you, if you can't get, you know, a real A tier star, which I think would be really hard to do. Maybe that's a team. Yeah, that I mean, I mean that at is, least they have something. That is definitely a team that I think that you would that would 
especially, I mean, they're going to try to go star hunting anyways this summer. Right. So, would you rather have PG or Kawhi? Would PG tell Dame he's taking bad shots in Portland? If the alternative was running it back, Mm -hmm. yes. If I could instead get like, man, this is where it gets tough. Like, if you could trade... Because Simons is going to be the the contract they have to trade to get toward you know close to any of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you're if you had the option, you're still twenty million probably, away. I know. <laughs> Are they willing to take Nurkic? You can't Please? be. What, what's challenging is like both Jeremy Grant, Matisse Tybel, like those guys are free agents. So then what? Like then how do you how do you get the other twenty? Uh, is not easy it, without Nurk. Yeah, which that that's probably going to cost you a pick. Yeah, I, <sighs> it's kind of hard to imagine that. To be honest, like, are they willing to like sell everything? Like, I don't, if I'm them, I'm not giving up Shaden Sharp and Simons no, and no, picks. Not in that kind of a deal. Like, I guess you can throw Nasir Little in there. Like, you kind of needed like Justice Winslow's contract. <laughs> to still be active to actually get there because I just don't know how they do it. Kevin Knox has three. I mean, you're still not that close. You're still only at $33 million with Knox, Little, Simon, and Picks. Because, yeah, that's just... I mean, I guess that does get you there. But if you're the Clippers... There's just ain't no way I'm doing that. <laughs> that is gross. That is straight up gross. Like I'm, just, I'm not an Anthony Simons guy. Um, he plays. He plays basketball. He does play basketball. That's true. Yeah, I don't know the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors are like, what are the? I don't even. I can't. That's a bad idea. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Idea. Like, who's desperate? Who else is desperate? Uh, I mean, teams like Dallas, uh, Minnesota. Dallas is one, but they've just they've just crapped away. They, they don't everything. have a lot to offer. Yeah. Um, the Zards. The Zards are the Hawks. Prime for that. Yeah, Atlanta's kind of interesting. Hey, shout out to Trey Young. He was awesome last night. That was pretty Scored impressive. The last 14 points in the game for the Hawks in that game winner. That was yeah, sick. Yeah, it was preceded by, I think John Collins scored like seven or nine in a row, and then it was Trey Young to close it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. You guys got any ideas? What about Tyler Nevin says cat for PG? <laughs> the Bulls. I think, I think Wolves fans. Kirk would. T says the Bulls. Oh, you're going to put t- this is going to be a nasty deal. Well, you said it was going to be like the Kawhi DeRozan trade, so this this would be it. What do we do it again? And tomorrow only makes do it again. 28. You can get there a lot easier, certainly. Yeah, you can. But what are they willing to give up? And this, this is why it's probably most likely that they just stand pat, run it back, 
as disappointing as that would be, I just don't think there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to be a terrible team, but their ceiling is probably capped. If these guys just cannot, can never play together. And they, Andrew, they continue to get older. Every day. Paul, jo- Paul George is going to be 33 next year. Yeah, it's not, not ideal. It's not ideal. Kawhi is going to be 32. Yeah, uh, it is ideal for the Thunder, though, who not only that 2024 pick, but 2026. It's like, what could that team look like in 2026? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish – I mean, 25 is the year when Cooper Flag is coming out, right? Yeah, they have a pick swap with them, the Cooper Flag oh, draft. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's unprotected. Mm-hmm. Unprotected swap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. technically the next three years after this year, it's going to be in play, I would think. Yeah. Gosh, if they got Cooper Flag with that unprotected pick swap, I would die. I would just straight up die. You die on stream. On the stream. Just die. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. That would be so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the amount of and, – and Presti brought this up in his uh, presser. But the amount of flexibility they have mm-hmm. going forward. I mean, that that is the big differentiator from the first era of the Thunder. Yeah. They, they had their own picks back then, but that was kind of it. They hadn't, you know, they made all those initial deals up front when they were the Sonics, like the Kurt Thomas trade and the uh, Ray Allen trade. And so they, they did get assets back, valuable assets back in those trades. But we didn't really see those kind of deals again until the end of that era when, you know, everyone starts getting traded. Yeah. To now be where they are at now, which I get it, they're not a 500 team. You brought that up multiple times. Not a 500 team. Just a fact. Uh, I disagree, but I understand what he's doing. Um, How do you disagree? Still, why do I disagree? Because he he talks in the presser the entire time about how he's way more focused on process than results. And then makes this a declarative statement about how, like, we're not on a 500 team, which I would say is focusing too much on results. If you look at the process, like, this is definitely a 500 team. This is obviously a 500 team. If you look at their expected wins, they were a 43-win team. If you if if Shea doesn't get COVID and miss five games, they're a 500 team. COVID. This is definitely a 500 team, Andrew. Process-wise, 500 team. Results-wise, not a 500 team. But... Uh, I'm like Presty. I focus on process. Uh, I love Alex so much. Oh my gosh, that's a great. That's a great one. That's one of my favorite little rants that you've had. Not. It's not like a me- like a mega rant, but that's a uh, that's one of my favorite rants you've ever done. That was well. Amazing. I I just I know. I mean, a lot of what Presty's going to have to be doing over this summer and going into next season is tempering expectations. Like he brought that up multiple times about how whether he's talking about an individual or the team how regression is welcomed and expected and is part of like the growth process. And, you know, he was referencing the fact that they made this huge leap in net rating this year. Mm -hmm. And it's unlikely they would make that big of a leap in any of these subsequent years. It's going to be more marginal improvements. Um, They're borrowing from the future. Yeah. But, and, and I, I get why he's doing that. But yeah, he, the, the the 
uh, the cows are out of the stable. Andrew, is that what it is? The the train has left the station. The okay. toothpaste is out of the tube. That's right. Good you luck putting it back down. in. Get a yeah, little bit of it back in. The only thing that would uh, temper my expectations would be a major injury to a mm-hmm. key player. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's mm-hmm. about the only thing. Mm-hmm. And we and and to be fair, if it's not Shea, I would probably still be pretty optimistic because we are already experienced that this year with Chet. And it turned out to be an awesome year. It's a great year. So uh, still a very fun year. So yeah, so I'm 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 not gonna have sky high expectations, but yeah, I will go into next season, depending on what happens this summer, thinking I'm I'm gonna be watching like a forty five win team. Yeah. Let's say. I don't let's think say. that and that feels reasonable. That's, I was gonna I'm say. not saying fifty. I was gonna say that's that not reasonable. Not an unreasonable take. Not. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the best rookie in Thunder history. We'll be right back. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back after that quick break. Al, yesterday, Paolo Bancaro won the Rookie of the Year award, which was not unexpected by any stretch of the imagination. He got 98 of the total 100 first-place votes. Oh, so J-Dub got two first-place votes then, I guess. Uh, no. Think again. Oh. Not Ben um, Matherin either. Not Keegan Murray either. Not Jaden Ivey either. Walker Kessler got two Walker. votes. One for sure from somebody in Salt Lake Andy City. Larson. Shout out to Andy Larson, who is just does, the un, most unabashed homer ever. Have a vote. I don't know. I don't know who else. 
I don't know who it was. I'm very, 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 very intrigued. I know it was not Tony Jones. He's already stepped out on Twitter and said it was not me, um, which is hilarious, by the way, that he did, would have to <laughs> step out and say that he was not the one. Um, yeah. That is insane, by the way. Insane that he would get two first-place votes that you watch this entire know. season and think, you know what? This big man averaging numbers that are just okay is the best rookie in the class this year. The best one. See, I, I would push back on that because in my mind, it's like, was Bancaro's season really a unanimous rookie of the year type season? I mean, we were talking about J-Dub leading in these last few months, so... I, I'm fine with the idea that the vote reflects that this wasn't like a consensus, like greatest rookie season ever pick. I mean, we have seen much better rookie of the year I, campaigns I, over the last I'm not, like, half decade. I, what's not cra- I'm not saying what's crazy is that Paolo's not consensus. What I'm saying is crazy is that they vote Kessler number one. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I mean, Andy explained his position and it's basically like, if you look at the impact stats, if you look at the advanced stats, like Walker Kessler is going to be far and away the obvious choice. Now, I'm not saying that's, that's what you should do. I wouldn't do that. I would not vote Walker Kessler first. I watched the game, but I, I know he's a good player, but he's a role player that averaged nine points and eight rebounds a game. I know. I know. That's ins- but if, if, it's if, insane to give him even one first place vote. When you look at the impact that other guys in this class have had, I mean, I don't. I agree that Paolo is not like this overwhelming. Like he had the one of the best rookie years we've ever seen. Like he was really good, but he was incredibly inefficient down the stretch. Like to not give Keegan. Like if you gave Keegan Murray a first place vote, you know what I'd be like. You know what he made a really big impact on a team that's winning. And made the most threes ever for a rookie. Like you could, I can get there with Keegan Murray. I just can't get there with Walker Kessler. Like I just can't get there that he was the best rookie. And no one even considered Keegan Murray. He only got three second place votes. He only got 12 third place votes. You know, Jaden Ivey got, didn't get one second place vote. He got three first place or three uh, third place votes. That was it. And Jaden Ivey had like a really good second half of the season. You know, J-Dub had 75 second place votes. 75. Not one first place vote. And I'm not, I'm not going to cry that he didn't get a first place vote. I just, I just think it's insane that Walker Kessler is the one to get two first place votes. I think that is just wild. Like that is like, <laughs> I think that's just insane. Um, does not bother me as much. Uh, mostly because I don't care, and it will be <laughs> forgotten. And I think that, listen, if if we're going to make advanced stats, if if it's going to be this big, uh, this much a part of our conversation in the NBA, mm-hmm. you kind of just have to expect it. Like, ev- everyone talks about advanced stats, and there is a subset of uh, NBA commentators who make advanced stats like their main point. I mean, Seth Partnow was out there, when Andy Larson like <laughs> admitted to this <laughs> and was explaining his vote, 
making the case for Walker Kessler, saying, I don't think he should win, but I think he had a good enough season where he deserved a vote, a first place vote. Sure. And it's it's like, I, yeah, whatever. I think it's I, super duper dumb. Hey, I, I will give Andy Larson credit because if I was in his same position, I would be so terrified of voting for a guy from my team who is not seen as like the consensus pick and, and knowing the backlash that that would entail. Like he doesn't really get any benefit from voting for Walker Kessler. Disagree. Disagree. You, you think he does get a benefit? Yes. I, I mean, Andy Larson is like directly tied to the Utah jazz organization. Like, you know that, like, you know how every beat writer is tied to every organization. But like, what? So you think he's getting scoops because he voted Walker Kessler first? I don't know if he's getting scoops, but he's definitely getting e props. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like e props. Like, I don't know. It just, I feel like the downside would be much greater there. I mean, he could have voted Walker Kessler second, and that would still be like, wow, that's great for Walker Kessler. Yeah, I think it's. I just think it's. Super. I mean, if if the benefits were that good, then every local person would just vote for their local guy. It's not that the benefits team. are good. It's just he's being a huge homer. That's all. But I mean, what do we expect? If you give votes to a person who's watching 82 games of one team... Hey, Joe Masato, why, why Joe Masato we... didn't vote for Jalen Williams, number one. Yeah, because he, he was scared of the backlash, Andrew. Joe was scared. There's more of a reason to vote J Dub number one. There's like a there's more of a case that doesn't involve like hidden stats. No, I agree. But if you were Joe, if you were in Joe's position, yeah, you don't think that would cross your mind at all? Like, man, if I vote for J Dub, I'm gonna have to deal with like a bunch of BS. If I vote for Palo, yeah, no one cares. Everyone says good pick. Yeah, it's... it would be hard for me not to be influenced by that. Especially yeah. with the way Twitter is. And knowing that your vote is going to be made public, mm-hmm. like it has to influence people. That has to bias you. And so that's why I almost respect it for Andy Larson. <laughs> because it's like he knew all that and still did it. I don't respect Homer Clowns. Okay. Homer it, Clowns. If you get would it, you have voted would you have voted for J Dub? I don't think J Dub didn't he didn't have the full season to get voted rookie of the year and neither did Walker Kessler neither of them had rookie of the year of the year seasons J-Dub had a rookie of the second half of the year I mean he would have I think he would have probably won it if it was just about how you finish but if you look at the season in totality I think that Paolo with the way he started and I know that he finished really inefficient but he was still like the man on a team that wasn't as bad as like Detroit right no yeah I'm, I'm fine with I mean obviously I, I probably would have picked Ben Carroll as well yeah um, I Anyways. just uh, I enjoy this aspect of it because if everyone was influenced by Twitter and knew that there would be this huge backlash we would just have unanimous winners every single year and there really would be no debate because everyone would be so terrified of going against the grain in any way. Yeah. Which is why I, as much as I 
enjoy looking at like that they release the voting i do think it's ultimately a bad thing because i do think it probably influences a lot of voters i bet if that voting was secret j-dub would have gotten a first place vote i think so too i think so too what andy larson should have done is voted jalen williams number one like if he wanted to go j will j will yeah no. <laughs> j sorry. that would have showed us if he if he voted j dub number one then it would show like oh he is willing to go against the grain great you know what he should have done hmm. make a deal with joe yeah joe votes kessler <laughs> he votes j dub i would be killing joe right now i would just be dismantling him <laughs> And I'd be praising and Andy Larson that he had this secret pact with Andy Larson. I'd be so praising Andy like... Larson for actually. Then I would praise Andy Larson for being brave. <laughs> then I would praise him for being brave. I would do. Uh, I would, no, you're being a homer. I would no, give your. I would give your whole. Sp- no, because I think that there's a legitimate argument to be made for J Dub with the way that he played down the stretch. Like you could, that one is, that's an argument that you can make, but not Walker Kessler. Like not. Do not give the rookie of the year to a role player. Don't do that. Don't do that. Especially when you have other guys that are making like really big impacts on their team with like being primary guys at times. Don't give it to a role player. It's whack. Um, it's dumb. Um, I do think uh, I, I do think that it's interesting. You know, we've talked about J Dub being the best. Thunder rookie in the history of the Thunder. And isn't it weird to think back that James Harden didn't get any rookie of the year votes? He didn't get any. Yeah, I mean, I remember that season. And of course, back then, he he set the Thunder record for three-pointers as a rookie, which was broken by Alex Sabrinas. Yeah. And was then broken by Teo. I think I that might be know. right. That's I think true, that, but it, it that, might be true. That feels right. Um, <laughs> I really hope that I know that Teo actually did. Jada break it. I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not super surprised because I remember that season. I mean, I think he averaged under 10 points per game, um, and we were so focused on the idea of him becoming like Manu. Mm-hmm. it's like this is going to be our six man like we, we were much into the idea of like this guy's going to be a future six man of the year award mm-hmm. winner that it didn't feel uh it doesn't didn't feel that weird at the time whereas now with j-dub i feel like we're much more willing to uh expand our season our ceiling we're much more willing to say you know what this guy's ceiling could be a lot higher than we're thinking of him right now yeah we were not talking about James Harden as a uh, future all-star MVP candidate. No. For sure. Guys that got votes that year. Uh, wait a minute. Is this even right? Is this even right? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, no, no. This is not right. Hold on. I was like, that's not the right class. This is ridiculous. Okay. So players that got votes that year for Rookie of the Year. Tyreek Evans won that season, the Rookie of the Year. He was great. He was like 25 and 5. Yeah, he was yeah, 25, 20 points, 5 boards, 5 assists, 1.5 steals. He was 45% from the field. Um, 
Steph Curry was number two that year in Rookie of the Year voting. Brandon Jennings, number three. Darren Collison, number four. Johnny Flynn. Brandon Jennings had a 50-point game. Johnny Flynn, number five. And then, That's kind of surprising. I don't remember anything positive about Johnny Flynn. Yeah, Johnny Flynn was 13.5 points, two boards, four assists per game, shooting 41% from the field. Brandon Jennings shot 37% from the field his rookie season. Yeah, but he had a 50-burger. Uh, I looked it up. Teo does hold the current record for most threes by a Thunder rookie. 105. Trey Mann actually is second. He did beat out Abrinas with 98. But wow. got lost because not not better than Teo. Shouts to Teo. Shouts, like J-Dub shouts to is the all the way down at 73. Like Teo's got a nice little lead. We're going to need – I mean, there's a lot of shooters in this draft. Yeah. So if someone was really legitimately good – no one's and breaking. Had like an Isaiah Joe type rookie season. Not happening. Teo's going to hold that thing for a long time. Long, <sighs> I long hope time. He holds it forever. Uh, Todd Gibson was also he was voted, he was fifth, tied for fifth in rookie of the year voting that year. Uh, not one vote for James Harden, which is just kind of wild. Uh, the year prior, Derrick Rose was the rookie of the year. Number two. Want to guess number two? Uh, Super Cool Bees? Super Cool Bees was seventh in voting oh, okay. that year. Um, Memphis, Gr- Memphis Grizzly? Memphis Grizzly? Uh, last name uh, is a condiment? Mayo. OJ Mayo. OJ Mayo was second in voting. Thank you for that hint. Uh, third, Brooke Lopez. For the New Jersey Nets. And then fourth was Russell Westbrook. So that's interesting. So you're saying don't take these uh, Rookie of the Year votes very seriously. I'm saying take them to the (laughs) bank, baby. Uh, Uh, Kevin's year, it was Durant 1, Horford 2, Luis Scola 3, Al Al Thornton 4. Jamario also Moon. Baller. Jamario Moon five. <laughs> also, I love Jamario Moon. Dude, oh, you're just naming all these guys I loved in fantasy. Dude, I met Jamario Moon at the mall in Atlanta, and I was kind of freaking out. It was that year. He did. You, he did was, you actually go up to him? Yes, I spoke to Jamario Moon in a shoe store. Yes, that's uh, cool. I I really liked him. Yeah, he's good. Juan Carlos Navarro was sixth. <laughs> That's yeah, he, he had a minute. Um, hey, I wanted to bring up uh, one other thing about Presti's press conference. Yeah. Um, he so I, I was listening to you and Michele and you, on Monday, and you were mm-hmm. talking about you know the idea of them doing or not doing anything this summer with their cap space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and kind of laying out some of the the reasons why they won't. Um. And I've heard a lot of those reasons before, and they haven't convinced me. Mm-hmm. And, but I did think Presti gave the best argument I've heard yet so far for not making a major move, mm-hmm. which was him talking about the previous iteration of the Thunder team mm-hmm. um, with Jeff Green. And he kind of like, he had this moment and you guys talked about this where he, he was kind of saying, you know, if you look back now, like that actually was a, a modern team, you know, but they were reacting to the forces at that time 
when they made that trade for Kendrick Perkins, but they actually had a, a pretty modern team in house already mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. And I think about that now when we are talking about, you know, they need more size or, or, or they, or when we say they need to be more physical, we're usually thinking in our heads, like they need more size. Mm-hmm. Um, what if, what if the future of this team really is playing small? What if that is the future, and it and it seems limited now? Are you saying trade chat? Worried, huh? Are you saying trade chat? No, but like, I know that like playing chat isn't technically playing small, mm-hmm. but just the idea that you you could space the floor that much with a five, yeah, where you don't have that kind of like traditional just like big guy who's going to get you you know 10 rebounds every single game yeah, like yeah. zubots or something like that mm-hmm. um what, what if that really is the future of the team you know i've kind of been pushing back against that because playing small makes me feel uncomfortable like even even if chet is there the idea of having like josh or j-dub as like the long-term option at the four makes me a little queasy mm-hmm. because you can instantly think of like a a couple teams that oh man that that might be kind of scary yeah um but i don't know listening to him talk about it i started to think to myself you know what maybe maybe this is right and if we don't give it enough opportunity to marinate and immediately react to what we think should what a team should look like Mm -hmm. in 2023 will we miss the boat on what a team should look like in 2026 and so, I don't know. I'm a little bit more open to it now. Just this this general idea of like, what if what if we did just stay small mm-hmm. um, most of the time? Like you would still have you know a backup big or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, even playing someone like a JRE at the four. I mean, that'd be more size than having someone like a J Dub or or a Giddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting when he was talking about playing small and how playing small unlocked all these different guys. Yeah. You know, he's, he's making the case that a lot of the success you saw this season from certain individuals was directly a result of us being able to play small with them. Yeah. And the other thing he brought up is other teams, a lot of nights matched us going small. Yeah. I, that's one of the, my favorite things from the season is that Mark was willing to be the weird team. And the Thunder were always the traditional team. Always. And they would get forced to to go small. They would get forced to do whatever. It was always the Thunder reacting to whatever was happening on the court, whether that yeah. was Scott Brooks or Billy or whoever. And Mark is just like, nope. I mean, the, that first game, I mean, I remember being shocked that he was like, yeah, we're going to go with – Kenrich Williams and Poku as our bigs. We're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. What? Like, <laughs> both those guys, I think, yeah. can play small forward. You know, what are we doing here? Um, they they didn't care that the Wolves played big. They just didn't care. Yeah, it was, it was funny because I actually did not remember this, but he was saying, like, we rebounded really well against Minnesota. We got killed on the boards against the Pelicans, mm-hmm. but no one cared because we won. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. I just there was something about that that was more convincing to me, or I thought a better argument for not making a major move, not reacting to what we think we need in this forty and forty-two win season, not a yeah. five hundred team. That uh, was uh, more compelling to me 
than anything I had heard previously. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of just being open to the to the possibility that the way this team is going to succeed going forward and reach its maximum ceiling is not going to be the obvious way. Yeah. It's not going to be, well, you need this. In, in, in the National Basketball Association in 2023, you need this, 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 and this. We don't have this, so we have to go get that. Yeah. I, I, I kind of am getting a little bit more open to that. Because previously, I was feeling like, okay, regardless of what happens, I do feel like there's some obvious deficiencies on this team, especially in regards to size, even with Chet, that I think you eventually have to address. And maybe you do, but maybe it is, as you talked about on Monday, a backup big. You know, maybe it is going out and getting someone who can play, I don't want to say Kevon Looney role, because now his role is pretty huge. Mm -hmm. But there are guys around the league who kind of have that. Kevon Looney is probably like the, like too good for that role, mm-hmm. but someone who has that sort of role where maybe even they, they start for you in certain matchups um, where you feel like you need to match up size a little bit more, but maybe it's not going to get a core piece that's filling all of those criteria. Yeah, I, I think that, that's right. And it, it allows you still need to play. You need to be able to play multiple styles. I think that that's a necessity especially in the playoffs, depending on who you're matched up with. But I do yeah, think... You do for sure. I do think that they want to be unconventional. I, I don't... And regardless of what style you're playing, the players who are ultimately going to matter are still going to be on the court regardless of what style you're playing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a style in the playoffs that isn't going to involve J-Dub. You know, J-Dub is going to be in every style that you play. Totally. In the, in the playoffs. Totally. Same thing with Shea. Um Probably same with Giddy. I mean, yeah. they've they showed more willingness to like sit Giddy, you know, this year when when it just wasn't working. So we'll see how that develops. But I think his size is going to make it a lot easier for him to get played to to stay on the court long term. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're even seeing so yeah, it with like know. with I, like I, Alex Len for the Kings. You know, like he's not some like yeah. he's not a player that makes a giant impact for them like throughout the entire regular season, but he is a giant guy. That has come in and he's played pretty well. And like that's the kind of that's the kind of guy that I think you could bring in and say, like, okay, like maybe they sign Goga Batatste, you know, to us to a contract this summer. And he's just they pay him like league minimum and he just comes off the bench and he's like, All right, we just need somebody giant. Like just throw Goga out there. You know, I don't know. Or even like I don't know if I would want to do this at twelve, but if they were like in the eighteen range, if they drafted someone like Derek Lively yeah, um, with the idea of him just playing that role long term, so that you could have him on a super cheap deal. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I do think those guys are going to be available. I just thought that was a that was an interesting point he made, and the way he put it in context of the first Thunder team kind of made me think about things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't rush into anything because you th- are trying to adjust to the the current nba that you see in front of your face right now yeah don't rush into anything without a doubt i think that that is a hundred percent correct that they want to be they want to play unconventional an unconventional style of basketball and they're not in any rush to get there they want this to just they're they're going to crock pot this team you know this is going to be this is going to be a long a long way they have a long way to go 
and that's because the more conventional they get, the less likely I think it is that they like win a championship. Without a doubt, you you only, either only because to to win a championship and be conventional, you just have to have the best player in the NBA. Right. Yeah. And 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 you know, I don't I don't want to put a cap on Shea's ceiling or Pokus. You know, maybe he could eventually be that player, but it it's. I don't think they have like the next LeBron, the next Steph, the next KD. Mm-hmm. As as much as I like Shea, as good as he is, I don't think you can just do that because that's kind of what they did with the KD Russ era. They were very conventional, and arguably rightly so, because they had someone like Kevin Durant, they had someone like Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But even with that team, you can look back now and say, "Oh my God, what if they had played KD at the four? Ibaka at the five. Mm-hmm. What if they had given that more run? Mm-hmm. I wonder what, like, what would it, even if that's not the starting lineup, what if that had just been our death lineup? If they had just found that and tried it out for a little bit longer? Yeah. And they did try to go I unconventional know, by like going all in on offensive rebounds, especially in that 2016 yeah. team. Cause they played, I mean, they, they beat the Spurs that year because they played Canner and Adams together and they just like killed them on the boards. And, I mean, had that 2016 team won, like that, th- I think the teams that win the title, sh- like they they shift whatever track the NBA is on. It's like, okay, now well now we all need to go do this. Now we all need to go do that. Now we all need to, you know, <laughs> we all need to go get an Ennis Cantor. Well, I mean, I think that people would have been maybe more in on offensive rebounding, you know, had the Thunder won that yeah. title. Not, not that you need Ennis Cantor. But well, you you know, uh, I mean, that's kind of what Memphis has done. I mean, that was definitely kind of their model. Yeah, definitely. And the, and you you need that when you have a guy like Ja, when you have a guy like Westbrook, is like having a guy at the rim that can not not necessarily as a pick and roll guy, but yes, as a pick and roll guy, but also just somebody that's just going to gobble up offensive boards. And it's funny; it just happens to be the exact same guy in Stephen Adams down there to do the exact same thing. As like it was like very helpful to them. Just because he's going to miss a lot, just because he's just jumping without exactly having a plan besides just attack the basket. Uh, okay. Um, th- th- I will say though, in terms of their cap space, yeah, I do think there's there will be opportunities to let's say b- because in terms of giving out a contract, mm-hmm. if you gave out a two year contract, it's not going to hurt you, like the. The no. the bigger deals aren't going to kick in for a couple more seasons. Obviously, Shea's on the books, but some of these other bigger deals aren't going to kick in for a few seasons. If you overpaid a vet, for instance, like a vet, really big? Liked, vet, whoever, whoever, just a vet you like, gave them a two year contract with like a team option on the second year. Like I'm, I'm talking about like overpaying them, just to have, just to continue that cap space. A little bit longer as as and maybe it would need through your deal or something but i don't know i'm still open to that i recognize maybe that they don't want to go out and like splurge and like sign someone to a four-year you know 120 million dollar contract i get that you're not trying to sign austin reeves uh I, i'm very interested to see what happens with austin reeves this summer who who is going to be that team uh i don't know yeah, I I still am extremely, extremely skeptical. I think 
first they have to make themselves a cap space team and like you know renounce all of their trade exceptions and all of that to become a cap space team i just i i think the more likely path is that they just maybe use those for trade with somebody that has like one or two years left on their deal you know and acquire another like second rounder or something like that i think that is like way more likely than they like throw you know two years 20 million at max struce you know like oh i i I agree yeah it it could work either way um the biggest problem the biggest problem with like i think that center like backup center is definitely something that they need it's like who who would that be I, i am still extremely in on just bringing muscala back and just having him be yeah. back up. Yeah. Hey, if they bring Muscala back, Presti's going to have a real time uh, keeping us down with our predictions because if you're telling me now every lineup almost is either going to have Chet or Muscala in it. This is why I think they should do it. This is why I think now, they should do now it. I'm, now I'm getting up to 50 wins, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew Moose, Moose is getting his five wins. <laughs> I think they absolutely should do it. Because like who else is gonna be? Like you're gonna have to pay real money to some of these guys and like they're just not going to. And a lot of these guys will just resign with their current teams, but like who else gets you excited? Like Mason Plumley, Ugh, Nas Reed. Like Nas Reed is not necessarily a Thunder guy. Dwight Powell, gross. Thomas Bryant, no. Drew Eubanks. He's a, he'd be a fine backup big. Chemezi Metu is not really a center. Um, Mo Wagner is kind of interesting, actually. Um, Jackson Hayes will be a free agent. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's why like I mentioned Derek Lively, just as, like, yeah, compared to all these names, I'd be perfectly fine if, if they just decided to go for a big who's probably going to be undervalued simply because he's a big. Yeah. Uh, I think I could also totally see Dallas drafting him at 10. Yeah. I just, I just think having a floor spacing big is really, really important whenever you have questionable. Well, then why, why don't you like Nas Reed then? Why are you, why are you poo pooing Nas Reed? He, he's a, he just, he just loves to get buckets and we just need a floor spacer in general. Like we don't need somebody that's going to be like, Hey, you know, throw me the ball. Like I have nothing against like, getting buckets. Like let's get busy. Nah, I, I'm I just, pro. I'm pro bucket getting. He's also going to make a lot more money than a guy like Muscala would. And he's yeah, a, he would be an example of the type of guy I was talking about earlier, where maybe you could overpay him so much, in, on a, like a two year deal. Yeah, he's going to be. Um, he's going to be. But he's going to probably be seeking a four year deal. If I'm Nas Reed and I'm 23 years old, I'm not taking a two year deal. <laughs> like I'm. T- like, give me four years. You know, it's always crazy to me that he's 23. I always think he's older for some reason. Yeah, he's young. Like Muscala's 31, will be 32 at the beginning of next year. I, I think there'd be motivation on both sides to bring him back. I'd be surprised if there wasn't. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'd definitely be into that. I mean, you come back into next season and you bring back Moose and you have healthy Kenrich and you have Chet. Hey, now you're now yeah, you're good. Hey. Do you think next season, mm-hmm. preseason press conference, Presty will do his, uh, I forget what the phrase is, burn your assumptions. Uh, what is it? <laughs> Eat um, your predictions. <laughs> it is, what was it? Something your 
burn your assumptions. It was definitely burn your assumptions. I as soon as you said it, I completely lost it in my brain too. Is it eat your predictions? It's definitely <laughs> save not. Save your predictions. Save your predictions. Burn yeah. your assumptions. Yeah, yeah, save. Uh, he'll be saying the same thing next reason, but it'll be different. He'll be trying to he'll be trying to calm us down. Oh, without Whereas a doubt. I felt like when he said it this season, it was like you guys don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. You guys aren't ready for this. Definitely. Definitely true. Yeah. Uh I want I wanted to talk about a few more things. Yeah. Okay. 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 We'll save the tankathon spin for after. Okay. Go ahead. You can do it at the very end. First thing is I've started watching draft prospects. Ooh, okay. And uh I've I because I already kind of told you like I just don't love this draft. So what yeah. I'm doing is you know, I'll dive deep on a guy and then decide if I'm just out on him, Andrew. Because yeah. I just want to I just want to X off the guys that I'm not interested in. Definitely. Let's move on. Definitely. Let's get on to something else. Yeah. So I want to reveal a name and this is going to be this is going to be spicy, Andrew. All right. Spicy. Yeah, let's hear it. Of a guy that I'm already out on. Okay. At, at least at the 12 pick. Uh-huh. That name is who do you think I'm going to say? I don't know. Idea. Kaysen Wallace. Jordan Hawkins. You're out on Jordan Hawkins. Wow. You and Michele are now like Jordan pitted Hawkins. against each other. That's fine. Here's why. Let's hear it. He's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. He seems amazing. He's got a great shot. He looks beautiful. He's a maniac. He can do things. He's a maniac. Off, off movement. Off the ball. He's a maniac. Maniac. Just keeps moving. Yep. I get that. Yep. I totally get that. What does he bring that Isaiah Joe doesn't? And the reason I bring that up is because in Presti's press conference, he was asked about physicality, mm-hmm. and Presti specifically brought up Isaiah Joe. He did. He brought up Lou Dort, he brought up Jay Will, and he brought up Isaiah Joe. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, that made me feel like, okay, if, if Isaiah Joe wasn't already locked in as part of this core. <laughs> he mentioned him he a lot. Officially lo- if, he mentioned if him Presti a lot. If thinks of him as a physical guy, then he is definitely locked in. Mm-hmm. But like, if Jordan Hawkins was six eight, mm-hmm. then I like totally get it. He would also be a top but, ten pick if he was six eight. Yeah, he he would be. Um, but you know, he's six five. Mm-hmm. He's not a huge guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really offer anything else offensively. He was terrible finishing at the rim. Yeah, and then def- defensively, it seems like he's fine. But yeah. it's not like people are touting him as like a lockdown defender, right? And so I just feel like at 12, it sounds like you're just drafting Isaiah Joe. And I looked up their uh, stat comps, and one of the top four stat comps for Jordan Hawkins was Isaiah Isaiah Joe. Joe. Yeah, sure. And I don't know, man. I just feel like if you're drafting at 12, Jordan Hawkins feels like a specialist to me. And as much as I want more shooting on this team, and I really do, and I do really value it, that – it feels like a low upside pick to me as good as he is as a shooter. And the other thing is like, if you compare him to like past shooters, like it's like someone like a clay Thompson, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, like clay Thompson showed a lot more, even though that didn't become his game in the NBA, but he's a lot bigger too. Yeah. Yeah. He's a lot bigger. Um, but like Jordan Hawkins, isn't really playmaking, you know, he's, he's, you know, he has a pretty low assist total. He's not offering a lot outside of that very, very good skill of shooting. Mm-hmm. And as I'm just looking at some of these other guys, I'm just like, why Why am I supposed to get excited about this at pick 12? Yeah, yeah. And, like, why, why is he different than, like, 
AJ Griffin at 11 last year, you know, AJ Griffin was a lot, yeah, young, and I mean, lot younger, we, a lot like better, like pedigree as far as like high school, better, better athlete. I mean, obviously that was a question, better at, like draft, also but. just like bigger, stronger, faster, yeah. maybe not faster, but he's definitely bigger and stronger. I just feel like you have to convince me what is he offering this team that Isaiah Joe isn't already doing at a pretty high level this year. And Isaiah Joe could disappear next season. He could all of a sudden revert and maybe this looks like just one career year yeah. of, of three-point shooting. I'm, I'm aware of that. But outside of Jordan Hawkins having two inches on, on Isaiah Joe. I'm I not, con- I'm not convinced that there, there's not that – there's an, I don't think there's that big of a difference in their height. Okay, I, that that's kind of how I felt, but I, I they, obviously I don't have official measurements. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't, and I also don't think the height impacts the way that they, either of them play. Uh, yeah. Also, Isaiah Joe has giant hands. Does he really? I was kind of mesmerized by the size of his hands during the press conference the other day. Yeah. Hmm. Big hands. Well, I'm interested uh, as we get further on to hear Michele because he, you know, has. Maybe we got to get you on a pod together to talk about it. Talk it. Yeah, maybe maybe he can sell me on it. Um, You know the name that popped out. I was watching uh, the Box and One. uh, Adam Spinella, who we'll probably have on. Spins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, He just released a brand new big board. Yeah, it's counting down from thirty. And the name that popped, just in terms of like, you know, last week we were talking about guys, you know, oh, there's all these combo guards. Who else could there be? Mm-hmm. And you brought up uh, Rayon Rupert. Mm-hmm. The name that, like, the way he described him, like, why, why did Andrew not bring up this guy is Sissoko with the G League. Yeah, I watched. Like, I haven't watched he, a ton of him yet. Is part of why. I mean. He has great size. He's like six seven, but he's a big wing. Yeah, like his his frame. He is huge, and he plays with a ton of physicality. Arguably too much. Mm-hmm. He, one of the uh, the knocks on him, uh, Spins was saying, is that he just fouls a lot. Yeah, and he's just way he he's way too aggressive at times, which I look as a positive. You know, if if you're trying to bring in physicality to this team, and the fact that he was like six two a couple of years ago and was playing as a lead guard in France, and then shoots up to 6'7". So now he has all of those guard skills, but in the G League was playing off-ball because it was Scoot Henderson running point. And so he developed this off-ball game where he's learning how to cut, he's learning how to, to do all these things that he wasn't necessarily doing back when he was 6'2". But he still has retained all of those ball skills that he has from those guard days. Yeah. I get that the shot is like a huge question mark. He was shooting like 36% before the like final couple weeks of the season where he just fell off a cliff mm-hmm. and he, he was terrible. And his form looks okay, but as Spins pointed out that he's had like a ton of very bad air balls. Yeah. Like shots that make you go, what's going on here? So I, I totally get that. And that's going to be a huge question mark for him. Um, but comparing him to someone like Jordan Hawkins, it just seems like he's bringing so much more to the table. Like what he can offer defensively yeah. with his size and his ability to move his feet and then on the offensive end seems to m- much better fit into a Thunder-style offense. 
I get that he's missing the big thing or that it's, it's, it's something that's not set in stone in the way that it feels like it is with Jordan Hawkins. Although mm-hmm. of course everyone said that about Jabari Smith jr. Last year, mm-hmm. like just because a guy shoots amazing in college doesn't mean it's going to be automatic yeah. that he's an elite shooter. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I, I, I am interested in him. I, I haven't uh, done a huge deep dive on him. I've just been reading a few scouting reports, but he was the name that popped when I was just going through those names that are kind of falling in the 15 to 30 range of like, oh, he's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think his game is interesting. Two things working against him. One, long neck. Why is that a bad thing? Fake height. Fake height? Long neck? Yeah. Fake height. You want a guy that's like this? You don't want no neck, but you don't want long neck either. But he has a, apparently he has a very good wingspan. It's like 6'10", 6'11". Long neck. Also, he's just a little up, like, plays a little stiff, a little upright for my liking. Just watching him play. Yeah. You want a little more flexibility. Yeah. It's a little like Harrison Barnes, you know? Like, here, like obviously, if you can get Harrison Barnes at 12 in this draft, you'd feel really great about that, but still. Yeah. Derek Whitehead reminds me of Harrison Barnes. Like yeah. Just the way he moves. Yeah. No, I, I do like him, though. I do like his game. I, I need to watch him more. I just hate the Ignite. <laughs> I just hate watching the Ignite. I hate Why? Watch, I just hate watching some of these programs. I just think it's I just don't like it. I don't like watching teams that uh, that's why I like don't quite like watching Victor Women Yama's team either cuz it's like none of them are like really teams. It's just like let's just roll the ball out there and just like see what these dudes can do, you know. Yeah. So you're not you're not super high on Bilal Kulabali? Oh, I I started watching clips of him this morning just cuz his name keeps coming up. Yeah, he's obviously got like the tools there, but boy, oh boy, it's a it is a risk. That's a big risk. I know because <laughs> it's like, I do we him. really know what this guy is? Like, he's not playing against any like true competition. It's not like he's like completely dominating. And so, like, what? What is? He's not I, dominating at all. I don't know what he is. He's had some really good games, but with regards to like the whole picture, it's like. Man, I don't know. Like he's had games where he doesn't score at all. Like I don't know what I don't know what this guy is. Yeah, like he he apparently killed it in like the lower division. Drafting a guy, and to be fair to him, I mean he's he's super young. He's he's eighteen, 18 still. Yeah, he's he'll be. I think he would be the youngest guy in the draft if he. He won't turn nineteen until July twenty sixth. Um, so you know, yeah, whatever. But the the fact that he hasn't that hasn't carried over to the higher division where Wembenyama is playing in terms of his statistical output. So you're no. taking a guy who hasn't really done it at that level, which you just said, you know, you're, <laughs> you don't know how much to buy into that level already. Yeah, I get that. He's like good, a good, he's like a good sized. If you think of him as a combo guard again, but like six, six crazy long arms. He's got the tools there. If he's there at 35. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, sure, take a swing, see what happens. He's probably not going to work, but if he does, great. Yeah, twelve, ain't no way. <laughs> Just ain't no way. I'd rather no take Sissoko at twelve if I'm having to pick between these guys. You know, yeah. There's just or repair. Like, there's just no way. Like, it's just, it's such a risk. 
it's such a risk. Yeah, I, I guess the point I'm getting to, um, this is going to kind of like guide me from now until the draft, mm-hmm. is I don't want to just spend the 12th pick on a specialist because I feel like you, especially, I know that we need shooting. I know I'm obsessed with shooting. Yeah. But I don't want to, I feel like you can find three-point specialists. They are out there. Duncan Robinson was a three-point specialist who got a ton of money mm-hmm. and then <laughs> faded away until this playoffs. Davis yeah. Bertans was a three-point specialist who was out there mm-hmm. who also faded away. I don't like the idea of just committing to a three-point specialist. I feel like you can find these guys like we did with Isaiah Joe. If you, if you try hard enough, you can find some of those guys. I would rather them go for upside in terms of the amount of tools a guy is bringing to the table. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy totally against the way I felt in the run up to this Mm -hmm. because I was so focused on shooting, but as I'm just digging into these prospects, it's just so many of these guys are only offering shooting. Yeah. And I would just would rather take a chance on one of the other guys. Like we're going to be taking chances. We're going to have plenty of picks. A guy would need to be so amazing as a shooter and have such great size. Like, yeah, if, if Trey Murphy was there, we'd be having a different conversation. Yeah. And, and that's a guy who fell to 17 in, in his draft. If there yeah. was a player like that, which Taylor Hendricks, I mean, they're, they're, they're different players, but in terms of just like a really tall guy who can make threes, but he's obviously going to be going a lot higher than that. Yeah. And you can block So shots. I don't know. Now I'm looking at these guys who can't shoot, and I'm like, okay. Hey, welcome Some to my side. Kind of juicy. Come on over. Come on over to my side. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think you just have to go for upside still here. You know, you can't control whether you're going to get that Rockets pick or where the Clippers pick is next year or any of that stuff. Like, you have no control over any of that. But you do know yeah. you have the 12th pick this year at least. And so I, I'm I'm not willing – I wouldn't be willing to waste it on a specialist either. There's There are play, a lot of players in this draft that can do a lot of things. I think Rupert is one of those guys. I think Kobe Bufkin is, is really interesting too as a guy that can do a lot of stuff and can score um, from the combo position. I mean, you look at a guy like Damian Lee right now who just like can't get consistent playing time for Phoenix. He shot 45% from three this year, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, but that's all he does. You know, he doesn't do really anything else. So that, that's why he doesn't get to play. So, uh, okay, you want to take a little spin before we go? Yeah, let's do one spin. Let's do one spin. Any predictions? Uh, I'm always going to go Zards. Here we go. Zards jumping up. Oh, this nope. is like this is like the worst case scenario here. Rockets get number one pick. Victor Wembanyama from Metro is going to play for <sighs> Ime Udoka. I, Portland Portland getting the number two pick would be the most interesting outcome in this draft, though. Yeah, because that would likely mean that the two pick is available, and I'm just interested to know what you could potentially get for that. Yeah, or they just take Brandon Miller. I just doubt it. The way they've talked this whole offseason, I do not think they can go into next season with another 20-year-old rookie and expect to keep Dame. They're either going to take Brandon Miller and trade Dame or they're going to trade this pick. Yeah. Hmm. Well, 
Thunder have they still just have Case and Wallace here, which I just don't think would happen. But like, if Hendricks and Grady Dick and Anthony Black and all those guys are gone, who would you favor at twelve right now? After doing your your draft research, my my initial, um, I actually I so right now of the guys that are left that I would be like open to, mm-hmm. I actually would be open to Case and Wallace. Okay. Uh, I would be open to Keontae George. Yeah, I like Keontae. And I would be open to uh, Sissoko. Oh, okay. Wow. I don't know enough about Buffkin. I'll check him out. I'm a big Buffkin boy. But yeah, Keontae George, at least offensively, he reminded me a lot of Jordan Poole. Um, he appears to be much better defensively than uh, Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he'll be as electric as Jordan Poole offensively. But... Uh, yeah, he seemed kind of interesting um, as kind of like a stand-in for the Trey Mann role, yeah. whoever is going to have that there's, role. There's a lot of those guys in this draft where it's like, hey, if you really want to have a six-man, I think you can find him. <laughs> I think that like you can find that guy in this draft. Yeah. Like yeah. If, I think that Buffkin could do that. I think Keontae George fits that. I think Nick Smith, theoret- more theoretical than those other two. Because like Kobe Buffkin had like a he had a great season. Michigan wasn't that good, yeah. but like he had a great season. And then like Rupert is still sitting there as like this high upside swing kind of guy, you know. So yeah, I, I I I wouldn't dismiss Casey Wallace as quickly uh, as you because I I do think he he played off ball. Uh, some at UK, yeah. Um, but he still obviously has some like lead guard skills. Um, offers a ton defensively. Yeah, he's physical, kinda, physical. I was going to call attack. him a mini Dort, but he's actually I think he's, Dort is I think, shorter than him. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he's about the same size, if not a little bit taller than Dort. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I would call him like Dort Insurance, but we've seen how impactful someone like Dort can be on this team's defense. And if you just had like a bench version of Dort, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. You know, you want bet you. (laughs) (laughs) Please just say it again. Just say it one more time, please. Just say it one more time. I said, I said, if you had a bench version of Dort, so that you always have a a player like Dort oh. on the floor. Wow. Just like crazy point of attack guard defender. Yeah. Energy guy at all times. 48 minutes of that type of guy. Oh. I can kind of get into that idea. I am crying right now. And then long term. Just because of all like, the discourse about Dort over the uh, this entire season. And now, and now I'm saying. I no, like, can we just have him ass. all the time, please? <laughs> That, that would be that would be my argument against it not because i don't want Dort all the time i want Dort all the time i'm like one of i'm always really because i'm great, always repping Dort. opportunity for you if I'm, you want Dort all the time i'm always i'm always repping Dort. i just i just wonder about how how big can his role be on this team yeah that that would be my biggest question and maybe and maybe he can play bigger than all these other guys and maybe that's moot but he is like a 34% three-point shooter at college range, 44% overall, yeah. 75% from the line, which is not terrible, but it's also not like crazy encouraging. 
Uh, Andrew, does he have that dog in him? He says he does have the dog in him, and he's from Dallas, okay. which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I just I, said just just don't write them off too quickly. You're right. I, you know what? I will take that advice. I will take that advice. I think it's good advice. I think it's I'm not saying he's like my guy. I just uh, there was enough there on my, on first blush to be like, hmm, okay. Th- there's a lot there with Casey Wallace. Like, don't I? I don't want people to think that I don't think there's a lot there to him. I just think I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I would have to. I need to go back and take another look. It's. It sounds like you don't want Dort all the time. I just want. I just. I just be. I'm content with one Dort. <laughs> really, I'm just content with one Dort. But Dort is growing his hair out, and Kaysen already has the long hair, so it would be very. They would okay. look similar on the court in a lot of ways and with I, their style. I will of play say, like, and the hair. Even if we thought about Dort at Kaysen Wallace as a like. Dort replacement. I'm not. I'm, but I'm just saying, like, if he developed into an even better player than Dort, the one advantage that Kaysen has is because he has those guard skills. I think he would make more sense in the Thunder offense. Like all the things that we that bother us about Dort offensively. He's a much better decision maker. He's, a, he's aren't like, as big of a. He's more of a true point guard than Dort has ever yeah. imagined being. Certainly. Okay. All right. I my foot is back in the door on Casey Wallace. Okay. But not because what about of the, not, not because of the Dort all the time. No, I'm still kind I of in on Jordan Hawkins. I can see how it would work here. Yeah. I don't think the Thunder will take him. <laughs> like, by, like with all that said, like I do not. I think the Thunder would take Casey Wallace before they took Jordan Hawkins. Yeah. Just because of the, like, can he make a decision with the basketball in his hands? Casey Wallace like checks that box. You know, yeah, for sure. And he plays with a ton of physicality. Which, yeah. watching the highlights of Jordan Hawkins, that seems like one of the knocks on him. Yeah, like he's this amazing shooter, but if he tries to go to the rim, he rarely gets there. And when he does get there, it's usually not good, and he's avoiding contact. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, Michele, if you're out there listening, I'm willing to be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I, I would. I would just, I would be very, I would not be shocked by a case of Wallace pick by the Thunder. I would be floored. I'd be on the ground if they took Jordan Hawkins. I just don't think that that's a. Yeah. I, uh, I will say another true. guy who's not in this range, but I, I do really like Taylor Hendricks. Yeah. Um, mostly defensively. Like defensively is where I get really excited about him. Yeah. Definitely. Um, obviously, he's, he's big and can shoot. But if you could potentially have a rim protector on the floor at all times, this is kind of <laughs> the other version of Casey Wallace and Dort. If you could have Dort all the time, if you could just have a rim protector on the floor at all times where he could potentially play small ball five when Chet is off the court and still offer you some of that rim protection, that that kind of excited me mm-hmm. because he's still offering all these other things. He's still, you know, super. It's not, it's not like he is a Derek Lively where he's coming in, he's doing his one thing, he's doing it well. Mm-hmm. He still offers a lot of versatility. So if they were into him, I would be very excited. James Anderson said that uh, Spins has Kaysen Wallace at six now. Woo! Let's go! So there you go. Adam Spinella is uh, crazy smart, really knows his stuff, 
and that's a that's a big that's a big vote in favor of uh, of Double Dort. You know, we'll try to we'll try to get him on the pod at some point. Uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like as far as Taylor Hendricks goes, like I really like Hendricks. I just don't know how he how much he fits with the the style of play offensively that the Thunder want to play. I, yeah, I mean, it seemed like the knocks against him were that he, as physically as he plays defensively, um, that isn't always the case on offense. Yeah, uh, when, when when he's like attacking closeouts, but I don't know. I there there was enough there to get me pretty excited. Mm-hmm. No, he. I mean, you can. It's it's not hard to see. He kind of fits in this bucket of players where it's like it's not hard to see how they would fit. But I also question that the Thunder would even take them. You know, with with regards to the just how they want to play. I mean, they want a less less pattern, more rhythm. Like, does he fit that necessarily? Like, not really. He's more of a pattern kind of like normal kind of player that fits on every team. And you could see how he'd fit on this team. But like, it's guys like him and Grady Dick and Jet Howard that, you know, and Cam Whitmore. and Oh, my gosh, dude. Cam, I, I loved Cam Whitmore at Hoop Summit when I saw him here in Portland. Yeah. Watching him over this past week, oh, my gosh, he is not a Thunder player. The, the amount of uh, possessions – where he does like the mellow thing and just stops with the ball at like the three point line, just like sizing up his defender forever. Oh my God. I think he, I think he could be very, very good, but I completely agree that I would be shocked if the thunder like traded up. Yeah. Those are all guys that have like tons of talent and it's not hard to see how they would fit in with this team. It's hard to imagine how they would fit with the, the flow of the offense, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I just don't see it Hey, happening. what's up, little man? Arden's joined the podcast. He's just going to crawl on me again. What's up, Arden? Um, okay. Anything else before we go? No, short pod today. Yeah, just a short one hour, 26 minutes, 58 seconds. All right. Thanks so much for joining the show. Hope you guys have an awesome day, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday. Arden, you have anything to say? Not a thing. <laughs>